Ohio State gets a new turf design. Jim Knowles says all the right things and hallelujah. Jim Harbaugh is back, baby. <laughs> all this and more in this episode of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with a partner in crime, Johnny Getter. Johnny, man, uh, you know, for being an offseason, this was a fun week of the offseason. The storylines were plentiful. They weren't necessarily uh, earth shattering for Ohio State in terms of things like uh, coaching hires or uh, transfer portal announcements, although we will have one of those we'll talk about a little bit later in the program. But there were some fun storylines. So let's start off with, with one that's, uh, I think, a little lighthearted. Ohio Stadium going into its centennial season is going to get a new turf design did you yeah. submit a design for the turf <laughs> were you part of the crowd sourcing for ohio state's new on-field aesthetic i thought about it and then i got lazy i was just going to submit some kind of troll thing and make fun <laughs> of it M- ms a, paint yeah well yes actually literally probably that but the problem with this is that ohio state anytime they have an opportunity to do something with their branding they're going to always 1000 percent of the time pick the most boring safe option right like that's just that's just their mo they have no desire whatsoever to do something weird or interesting or anything like that because that's not just not their brand they're not looking to be like that they, they want their brand to be winning uh and then that's it so I was pleasantly surprised that they changed the font. I I thought they would just end up sticking with the font and then maybe just add some incredibly superficial thing that is barely any different. And granted, it is still barely any different, but um, uh, the font's new. So good. They didn't use Arial Bold anymore. So I'm I'm happy about that. Uh, But everything else is basically exactly the same. So, you know, good on them, I guess, for changing something. But for those of us who wanted like you know giant skulls in midfield or like you know an eagle carrying off a baby wolverine to its nest and like plugging inside i don't know anyway point is they didn't go as weird as they could have but i don't think i expected them to so i don't know are you okay with it how do you feel about it yeah you know you're 100 right i mean the classic example of ohio state's conservative brand management ethos being the the athletic logo redesign a few oh my god years they paid back. them forty five thousand dollars and they took that logo and basically filled it in with a Sharpie. Yeah, uh, they, they did the MS Paint fill bucket thing and they just hit it yeah, and they're like, that'll yeah. be $45,000, sir. And then the- <laughs> so yeah. I, you're, you're spot on there. And I mean, and frankly, when I looked at the design, like they tweeted it out on Monday afternoon, and my initial read was, what's different? now there are several things that are different don't don't get me wrong but like when you look at it there's because it's not yeah yeah it's not like earth shatteringly different it's not like they came out and decided they're going to do uh you know boise state and do a scarlet turf right you know that that which would have been terrible i i do oh i hate the smurf turf i think it should be outlawed uh under ncaa rules i think it's terrible uh but uh, you know there's a part of me that is glad that Ohio state, we never have to worry about Ohio state going off the rails. You know, if you're a fan of the pro, if you're an alumnus of the university, there is something to be said for uh, a certain gravitas that comes with say the uniform, for example, like, you know, you don't want Ohio state to just go off the rails with the uniform. Some of the alternative uniforms that they've done over the years have been a little more adventurous and sometimes they, sometimes they nail it. Sometimes they don't, but some of the best ones, if you think about the all uni debates over the years, some of the best ones were the ones that were closest to the original. For example, I contend 
that diamond quest, you know, national championship kit, that should be the standard uniform forever. And what did they change about? It was just a few minor tweaks, right? Well, uh, the, I mean, the, essentially the, they're reverting back to sure, what sure. it had been. Right. right. But yeah. The, uh, the cocaine whites, another example, those are like, sick. The cocaine whites, not terribly different from the base road uniform, but they look fantastic. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, uh, the new turf design kind of cool. A couple things. If you haven't seen it yet, helmet leaves on the kickoff spots, changing the yard yardage markers to, uh, the same font as the letters, the numbers rather on the jerseys, uh, having the helmet stripe at the very tail end of the, the out of bounds markers of the end Which, zones. Okay. But nobody can see that. Can I, can I, can we be like, agreement They're on this very like that, small <laughs> that does not show up at all on television no one can see that i don't especially I don't not because what... you're gonna have a bunch of people standing there probably right like there's yeah. photographers there there's gonna be yeah uh, there's no the the, the, the the rotsy cadets who've run up the flag on the one end it's, it's completely band members on the other end yeah it's it's very obscured. small yeah, I think that's dumb. I don't even know why you would bother. I mean, and I saw somebody comment, and I thought this was a fair one that the block O at the fifty yard line should be bigger, and I, and I think maybe that's it, a fair criticism. It's what they've done in the past, but I agree. I don't know why it's so small. They could definitely make it bigger, and I wish they would add the Buckeye leaf and the nut because that's their best version of that logo. But they seem insistent on just making it the plain block O. I don't know why they stick with that for so long. But I saw some fan submitted versions. There were there were I don't remember how many overall they said were submitted, several hundred. Uh submission 1300 total submissions. So quite quite a few. Um 59% of them included the block O at midfield and and of those 48% incorporated the leaves uh mm -hmm. as you discussed the one thing that I thought was really interesting that they didn't do, I saw a few making their way around um, the interwebs that had the sublimated shape of the state of Ohio behind the block. O, which they do in the Schottenstein center, right? Yeah, at, I think that would be half cool. court. I don't know how it works in turf. Maybe it just doesn't work in the right. turf. It may not show way. up as well. Yeah. That, and, and maybe that's the problem. I like that idea that in, in the versions of that, that I saw overall doesn't stink is yep. not revolutionary i'd say that pretty well sums up ohio state's brand management <laughs> right yes exactly yeah i Doesn't think it's fine it's fine not revolutionary <laughs> yeah i would agree with that i think that's a good summation of that i would agree something with that. that we hope is revolutionary dang i'm good at these segues not <laughs> would be ohio state's defensive game plan next football season jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator brought in from oklahoma state university or as i like to call it the other osu Saying all the right things this week in his early meetings with the press, Knowles acknowledged that he doesn't have four years to turn around Ohio State's defensive fortunes. That was one of the knocks heretofore from members of the peanut gallery that it took him four years at Oklahoma State to make the magic happen. And also Knowles acknowledging that his defense will be aggressive and will try to dictate what opposing offenses will do. Johnny, I, I don't know about you, but my little heart went pitter-pat when I heard those comments from the new head coach of the defense. What say you? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's what it was designed to do. And that's why he said it. And it's great. And look, I, I do think, you know, if you look at his Oklahoma State defenses, these are not passive defenses, right? He, he is he is an aggressive, uh, you know, play caller and coach and all that kind of stuff, which is great. But it's also very smart on his part to put that out there, especially at this point in the uh, uh 
in the off season, right. And in the time where everybody's just kind of looking for reassurance and they want to you know figure out what's going on. Um, I, uh, I think it was really smart of him to say, and I would like to, you know, I obviously want to see that play out in, uh, in the next season. And we're gonna have to wait a little bit to see how honest he's being about that and what that actually means for Ohio state and what that looks like. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like that was exactly the right thing to say. And that's, that's hopefully exactly what we get. Gary on Conley, a former Ohio state defender who folks uh, may remember commented on the Twitter that it sounded like Fick, AKA coach Luke fickle when he was there, the, the comment specifically that the defense will dictate the terms and uh, folks probably would, would, would hearken back gladfully to Fickle-led defenses. They were pretty good when he was on the sidelines here, and it's been a hot minute since uh, right. it feels like Ohio State has had a defense that dictates the terms. The question, you know, to me is whether or not Nels will be able to install his brand of defense, which is reportedly more complex than what Ohio state has, has tended mm-hmm. to run. If he'll be able to do that in a short period of timeline. Now he did say in his comments that it feels like they're close. The pieces or the puzzle are there. Uh, I, I guess I have some questions about that. Is the, is, is the talent in the room to do it? But then you remember that he was running mostly three stars at Oklahoma state. So maybe the talent is there to be able to do it. Well, and that's the thing because he, you know, Knowles is smart enough to know that you, you've got to kind of call your defenses based on the kind of personnel that you can bring to bear on the field. He wasn't, that's the thing. It, what I love about what Oklahoma State was able to do is they did something on defense that's very similar to what I think Ryan Day does on offense, which is figure out who your personnel is and then allow that game planning, that, that you know, what you're going to be doing on any given game to be dictated by what, you have available to you and that's what makes ryan day such a great play caller and and offensive schemer because he he doesn't try to mold players into his ideal scheme he figures out what he has in terms of talent and then maximizes you know their ability to be put in good positions and and i think if you looked at oklahoma state you see a lot of the similar kind of approach to that uh and Knowles is like okay these are the players that i have well guess what we're going to do a lot of this we've got you know good interior linemen and good linebackers we're going to make sure that we can do some things with those dudes and that's with a place like at ohio state where you've got a lot of talent up and down the board but maybe not a lot of established talent you know where you can really rely on guys and say this is our star or whatever i think that's a really good approach because you can figure out who those reliable players are quickly i think that's really kind of the the approach that he can kind of you know lead towards because you really are trying to figure out who your stars are at this point and you know, it's going to be a feeling out process about who you can lean on and who's going to be, you know, the guy who allows you to create a certain scheme one way or the other. But um, A, it's part of a process. And B, I think he's got an approach that isn't like, okay, well, here's my scheme. We're going to have to do it because that's just with the personnel that they have. And especially with the way they perform the past couple of years, I just don't think that would be the right way to go about it. And, and he seems to not, uh, you know, have any illusions or disillusions about, you know, what he needs to do as a coach. I appreciate that a lot. The, the, the piece of this puzzle that I, I think is very interesting is just knowing, especially you're given your comparison to, to Ryan day, which I think is apt knowing how good Ohio state's offense was this season 
and there's every reason to believe it will be at least as good, if not better next season. Mm-hmm. Um, if Ohio state had had even a relatively mediocre defense last year, they're probably playing Georgia for the national championship game. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess I say that to say, yes, Knowles knows he doesn't have four years to turn this thing around, but, but I don't think he has to paint the Sistine chapel in one off season. No, to they get, just have to I improve. Mean, they have to get better. And, and not even by like, you know, they don't have to go from what were they 95th, you know, <laughs> the ninth, I mean, they were pretty bad this year. So it's not like they have to go from 95th to first. I think if you just get up in the top you know, 40%, right. This is a playoff team because of how much better its offense is than everybody else. Yeah. And I think, again, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. Ohio state had by far and, and really it, people look at this and may be surprised, especially for all the griping. I think that we did sometimes, <laughs> you know, even, even with Ohio state's offense being as dominant as like, Oh, you know, the running game is not doing so great. Or maybe they could have scored more points here. Ohio state had pretty easily the best offense in college football last season. And I, when I mean pretty easily, I mean, they were like a quarter of a play, yard per play more than the next closest team, which is coastal Carolina, by the way. Uh, so, you know, Georgia, I think was, was fourth and they were almost a full yard per play better than Georgia in terms of yards per game, like, you know, 30, 40 yards better than the next closest team. This is not, I mean, just to put it in perspective, right. Ohio state last year was number one in total offense. They had, they averaged 561 yards per game. Number two was Western Kentucky that averaged 536. Number three was Virginia, which averaged 516. That's it. Those are the only teams that average more than 500 yards per game. And Ohio State averaged 561. Look, if they get the defense, as you said, just a little bit better, just a little bit better, this is an incredibly dominant team. Um, and, and that's, what's been so frustrating. I think fans know that that's, what's been so frustrating the past couple of years is that they're really not that far away from really running this thing. And, you know, you look at, you know, Alabama, for example, right. Or even Georgia had some really severe issues sometimes on offense and in 2021, and there were points where teams could take advantage of that. They were playing a high, you know, high octane offense, like elite offense, the level of Ohio state and a decent defense. So there were a number of games where Alabama, Georgia were sunk. There is no way they would be able to compete with a team that with that level of firepower on offense and a decent defense. Ohio state just didn't have a decent defense. You yeah. have that now. Ideally, like let's hope that happens. But if you have that, then that's a team that can definitely compete for national championship. And, and honestly, I think should be favored going into it. Now, again, that's a lot of ifs. We don't know exactly what's going to transpire on defense. Um, you hope that Knowles will be able to come in and do some really amazing things, but the expectations are high because they should be high. Um, you are, yes, you're losing two really, really great weapons on offense for if you're Ohio State, but obviously you're bringing back a lot, uh, including your leading receiver 
And yeah, I national championship has got to be the, you know, the expectation I think going in 2022 and to underscore the point about how close I think they really are. I, I go back to SP plus. I, I like, I like, mm-hmm. uh, the analytics here. Georgia was number one after the bowl games were done, but even after those games, and, and by the way, you know, to underscore, underscore your point about Georgia and Alabama, even, you know, had some, had some issues, uh, there were no undefeated teams you know, right. in the FBS, Georgia dropped one, Alabama dropped two. I mean, that game against an eight and four a and M, you know, uh, Hey, that's not a small thing. Right. So Ohio state at 11 to 11 and two, uh, not, not measurably worse than 13 and two, Alabama, 12 and no. two, Michigan, 13 and one Cincinnati and so on looking at the ratings and you know, via SP plus Georgia, number one, overall Ohio state, number two, overall, and if you played that game today using SP plus as the barometer, and, and let's say you were taking the, the, the bowl game versions of those teams of Georgia and Ohio state, right? Uh, the dogs would only be a three point favorite on a yeah. neutral field, right? Ohio state, that's what Ohio state a, having like the 60th ranked defense. Well, I'll come to that in a second. Ohio state would be a, a field goal favorite over Alabama. Yeah. And, and this is, go. this is purely on the strength. Well, I won't say purely it's Ohio state's offense and special teams. So when mm-hmm. you break it down, you break down the SP plus ratings, Ohio state has the number one rated offense in SP plus Georgia actually had the number two offense. Alabama was number four. Oddly enough then of course, Georgia was the number one defense. Uh, Alabama was the number nine defense. Michigan was number 10. Ohio state was the number 20. <laughs> number 20 defense in SP plus. So, uh, but, but special teams, Ohio state was number three, um, Michigan, by the way, was number two. So those sec teams, uh, Georgia and Alabama were 30 and 44th respectively in, in special teams. Now, you know, how big a deal does that make in the final analysis, but Ohio state (laughs) was so good at offense that they could overcome having the number 20 defense in SP plus. Yeah. When you look at it in terms of total defense and some of those other barometers, they're, they're way worse. I mean, they're, they're, they were really bad. So I I think you can, if you can get that defense up into the top 10 in this SP plus ratings, you know, get, get half as bad as this season. If you want to look at it that way, Uh, I, I think, I think Knowles can do that in an off season. He's, he's got talent. Um, certainly he's done more with less at, at smaller programs, uh, or programs without the expectation. So I, I feel pretty confident and the guys that he's brought in, you know, he's not bringing in guys who have never been there and done it. Eliano and Walton being great examples. And obviously Larry Johnson's got the track record right. now a place who is not having quite the same off season of optimism would be that school up North. Jim Harbaugh, the man himself, after flirting with every possible girl at the prom, decided to go mm-hmm. home with a girl that brung him. He will be staying in Michigan, but everyone else is leaving town. Yeah. Uh, is this the best of all possible outcomes to the Harbaugh saga we've been discussing over the past 30 plus days? Well, the funniest would definitely have been him leaving because that would have just thrown everything into chaos, you know, no matter what. But this to me is a, an acceptable, you know, second option where he stays, but then everybody else just decides to peace out and then burn bridges on their way out. And I don't look, I know there's been a lot of rumors and stuff about what's going on with Gaddis and and what, you know, his whole life is like and what his whole deal is. I don't know what 
is true and what isn't with regards to that. But like what what we do know is for folks who haven't been watching this closely is that Gaddis uh apparently tweeted players uh, on the way out his farewell message to right. the team saying that he discovered over the past few weeks that he was not fully appreciated by the university and he didn't want to stay where he wasn't wanted right that, that and is, they should not either right yeah yeah right right and by the way you should all go somewhere else too so uh, it uh uh very interesting to lose both coordinators and, and by the way, I mean, the reading of the team leaves here, the reading of, of the situation to me is let's not forget Harbaugh's one, one game and six tries against Ohio state. Right. Uh, and I think as many, I think that stats about the same with Michigan state too. I mean, he's got an abysmal record against the Spartans. So both his rivalry games uh, to lose both coordinators. I mean, my read of it was those coordinators are a large part of the reason, you know, he brought in those guys to get them there and, and they got there. And it's like they shot their wad and everything else is falling apart now. Yeah. And it's weird. Well, look, this is part of what happens when you decide to have a month long flirtation with the NFL that and a, a job that you, I think Harbaugh absolutely thought he was going to get. He probably, I think he walked into Minnesota thinking this is my job. I got this and was shocked when they decided not to offer. Um, so you know, there were reports, there were people talking about how the staff at Michigan was packing their bags and like, okay, this is it. We got to roll. And then, you know, Harbaugh kind of strides back in like George Costanza on Monday was like, ah, what are you talking about? It's, I never intended to leave. I was just kidding <laughs> around. Like that is such a whiplash for not just the players, but for the coaches, administration, everybody involved. Harbaugh was allowed to turn this thing into a circus. Michigan basically aided and abetted him in doing so. And they, I think they felt like they had to because he won a big 10 championship and beat Ohio state once. And so now they're going to give him whatever he wants, including, you know, carte blanche to just do whatever he feels like and treat the university. Ever he feels like we talked about this on Slack, Ohio state. I don't care how much Ryan day wins, how many times he beats, Michigan, if he goes to another national championship, wins a national championship, they would not allow him to do this. No. That would not be, that would be so antithetical to what Ohio State expects for their brand and wants for their brand. Gene Smith would burn his house down. That, that just, you would never get that. Um, so that they have allowed Harbaugh to turn this into a circus is maybe not super surprising, but that the rest of the staff has gotten so incredibly fed up with it is maybe a little. I, I didn't expect it to be this bad for them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And again, Gaddis probably doesn't deserve the kind of praise that he got uh, at the end of the season, you know, with, I think it was the Broyles award winner or whatever, probably didn't deserve that. Actually, probably Jim Knowles deserved that. Um, they've got other guys on that offensive staff who are, you know, doing some good things and, and figuring out stuff for them, but, and they've got a lot of talent coming back on offense too. They should be decent no matter who's their offensive coordinator but they're losing their defensive coordinator, uh, a lot of transfers, a lot of graduations on that end. You know, a head coach who nobody knows how actually invested he is. Um, I don't know, man. It is, it's a huge mess up there. And it's, it's been funny to watch kind of these Wolverine partisans pretend that all is well and that, you know, they're doing great, guys. We'll be right back there next year. And I think that's honestly what separates – Ohio State for Michigan, which is if this were happening at Ohio State, it would be, you know, 
DEFCON 1, people will be losing their minds. You know, everything's going wrong. We've got to burn this thing to the ground. We've got to start this over. Uh, whereas at Michigan, they're like, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. It's Michigan. We're cool. And that, to me, that's evidenced by the fact that, you know, you lose Gaddis and people are talking about, okay, well, my cart step on up. And it's like, what are you talking about? Right. Why? <laughs> Why? The guys are running back. Well, the running backs are really good last year. So has he done literally any game planning? Like, do we have any? And I, you know, I was asking some Michigan fans, they're like, well, the rumors are I'm like, what are you talking about? There should be no rumors about what you think your potential offensive coordinator might be doing when Ryan day, that was the other thing. Michigan fans gave Ryan day so much crap after the Michigan loss for being this like up jumped coordinator out of his element, doesn't know what he's doing. Ryan day revolutionized what Ohio state was doing under on, on offense under urban Meyer, right? That's why yeah. he got promoted to, head coach because he was the guy who essentially created what their offense had become. It wasn't an urban Meyer offense. It was Ryan day offense. We knew what he was capable of doing. He was a known quantity. Mike Hart's a guy with a Michigan degree who has one decent year of running back coaching. If you looked at his running backs and his other stops, not great. So one good year of running back coaching out of like five or six. And they're already talking to him for coordinator because he's a Michigan man. And because, you know, they like him that's it. That's all they care about. And I'm like, are, do you have an allegiance to winning or to being able to like puff your chest out about being a, you know, capital M Michigan, capital M man, because if it's the latter, you're not going to win many more of these Ohio state games and big 10 championships. If it's the former, if you actually want to win some stuff, then that's going to require you to look elsewhere aside from your backyard, because not all the talent in the world is there as Ohio state knows, that's why we go to Oklahoma state and, you know, new England and look for places where people are really good at their jobs. It just, it drives me crazy to watch this because it's been a month of Michigan fans convincing themselves that no matter what happens, everything's going to be great. The, I think key to this is how different Ohio state and Michigan approach these is, as you've accurately described in the best example I've got is we were on this show, what, three weeks ago, and sense that Ohio State wasn't even talking to James Laurinaitis about right, right, creating whatever, you know, sort of QC or assistant, special exactly. assistant. How could you not call this just, guy in for a just, just like we were, we were incensed. And this is one of the best to ever do it at the university. And, you know, you have Michigan fans or, you know, Michigan over here, like Ohio State's not going to do it. Uh, you know, until you're a proven commodity, they're not right. bringing somebody in, you but you go cut your teeth somewhere else. But the real and difference is Mike James Laurinaitis has a quality control versus James Laurinaitis. Hey, let's make him uh, assistant head coach. Well, yeah, that's, that? I mean, like it's a non-zero chance that Mike Hart is the next offensive coordinator. You're, yeah. you're exactly right. And like Ohio state's not even going to call a guy to be a quality control coach exactly. because they like, don't know who he, they don't know. He's not a known quantity. He hasn't go, had other stops. No, exactly. no, right. Right. Like the only, the only way they're doing that is, is guys who become grad assistants, which is right. a logical progression. Like, yeah, right. that's fine. That's the only time it happens. They're not bringing anybody else in to coach in Ohio state. Right. Unless they've got their bona fides. Exactly. Now it doesn't always work out. Right. Uh, you know, we've certainly seen some bad coaching hires over the last 20 years at Ohio, but not State, for one of trying, right? but not That's right. Right. And it wasn't one where you were like, Oh God, I could have told you going in that, 
you know, so-and-so was good. Like you wouldn't have said going in that Ed Warner was going to be a terrible offensive coordinator. No, he had the track record, you know, exactly. you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have said that going in. So we're here. We can be like, yeah, this is going to be great. Please, please do make my heart, Mike Hart, your next head coach. Why not do that? Go do that thing. The other thing that I, I, you're, you're spot on, like, uh, talking about how Michigan enabled and tolerated Harbaugh's month-long flirtation with the NFL, Ohio State sent Gordon Gee packing, Ohio State sent Jim Tressel packing, Ohio State sent Urban Meyer packing, like there is no one person bigger than the university at Ohio State. They just don't tolerate the BS. They don't. They absolutely don't. And, and it's because it, they understand that if you want to have a successful program, especially a successful football program, you just have like you have to be willing to cut bait. That that's basically it. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, you have they to fired be Woody Hayes, you know, like it's just yeah, like the examples are legion where yeah, you have to be willing to say, to, look, this isn't working out anymore. We, you meant a lot to the university, but you're done. And I appreciate I appreciate them for having the balls to tell Harbaugh like you're taking you know a half pay cut and you're going to hire some damn assistant. So so I mean that was a that run. was a smart move and it paid off. Right, and then, and then it worked out later. for one year, and then <laughs> right. they immediately walked it back. And they said, "Okay, well I'm sorry, don't leave, don't leave. We'll we'll, we'll bump you. We'll not only pay you original salary, we'll bump you up, and then we'll allow you to run around for a month while you look in the NFL to see if you can get an even better deal. Like that's again." Ohio state does not do that. Okay. If Ohio state's in that situation, they say, look, this is what you got. If you turn this into a circus, you're fired. Wait, that's what would happen. And I have to have uh, one more laugh at, at Harbaugh's shed and Freud here before we go on, on to something else. And that's like on this NFL thing, I, I genuinely, you know, I've been saying it for several weeks. I thought this was the perfect time for Harbaugh to go. Yeah. If he was going to go back to the NFL, the fact that Minnesota didn't even offer him a job, uh, Lovey Smith got hired to be the head coach <laughs> right. of an NFL team this year. Here's a guy who I think is one twenty and lost 60 in the last, you know, how many ever years that may speak uh, more to the Houston Texans than it does to <laughs> Lovey Smith or Jim Harbaugh, but yes, I love Lovey Smith. Don't get me wrong. No shade to Lovey Smith, you know, so well, a little like bit of super likable guy. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not a great coach, not a, good but coach. Not a great coach, but I'm like, Hey, love Lovey got a job and uh, nobody wants to work with Harbaugh. Yeah. It's well, great. that's the thing. And it's not, I don't even think Harbaugh is like a horrible person or like, I mean, he's, I think he's an okay coach. I think he's okay. I think that's really what it is. But I just, there's something about the dude that is definitely an acquired taste. And yes, he will win some games. But really, if you're going to have something like that, you need to go, okay, this is what our expectations are. If Ryan Day goes one and six against Michigan, he's fired. He's fired probably yeah. well before that. Well, yeah, not he's not going to get, I don't think he's going to get to one and six. No, he wouldn't get to one and six. And that's the point. If he doesn't make the Big Ten Championship, if he can't beat his rivals, if he loses all the bowl games, I mean, literally, except for one. You know, has a what, like three and 12, I think is what Harbaugh is against, you know, top 10 opponents. If all of that is true, Ryan Day is straight up fired. He's fired. It's done because Ohio State wouldn't allow that situation to get that bad. So for me, I look at this as an Ohio State fan and I, I look at all like the ways that, you know, 
Michigan fans trying to equivocate and say like, no, we're great. We're great. I'm like, this is why you've only beaten Ohio state once in 10 years. That's why, because that's your expectation. You're okay with that. You're okay with making the big 10 championship game once every like eight or nine years, maybe stumbling into the college football playoff and getting annihilated. That's fine because that is by far the most that you feel that you can actually ask for. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, that's where they're really at as a program. Cool. Great. Keep Harbaugh around forever. Give him a lifetime contract. If they expect any more than that, then they have to start being a little bit more serious about actually winning football games. Yeah. Right on. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do this off season, who they bring in uh, as coordinators one guy who isn't going anywhere anytime soon would be the aforementioned Ryan Day. I love this coach quote. It was such a great contrast to Harbaugh's like obvious desire to get the hell out of Ann Arbor. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Day was asked, you know, about uh, his interest in becoming an NFL head coach because, of course, every offseason it seems like there will be rumors that Day is going to go back to the league. He's an NFL guy. Uh, but I love this. He said, uh, there's always going to be talk like that, but I love Ohio state. I love this place. My family loves it here. I tell recruits all the time. If I was to go take another job, I'd be going by myself because my family's not leaving Columbus. Such a great, such a great line. Uh, and, and the fact that he was that unequivocal about it, well, um, it's smart for him to do that right now. Right. Because your chief rival is, you know, dilly dallying and, and having a good time in various NFL front offices. And you're like, I'm here forever. I'm not leaving. I'm chaining myself to the Woody. You can't make me go. Like, that's a smart thing for Ryan Day to say right now. Well, and he makes the point. It. I believe him, too. And he makes the point, you know, that Gene oh, Smith let, let him go, quote, go get the best. And yeah. Jim Nowell's paying $1.9 million. I mean, that was a huge amount of money to lay out for a defensive coordinator. It is. It is. The most money that Ohio State has paid for an assistant coach uh, ever and so, it, you know, that, that spoke volumes. I think maybe that's as much the reason for Gene Smith being willing to let go of that much cheddar to get a Jim Knowles is to, is to underscore to Ryan day. Hey, you need it. You got it. Mm-hmm. Day went on to say, this is the best place in the country to be the head football coach. I love it here. Uh, will he bolt to be an NFL head coach next season? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but you know, he's saying all the right things now and it's a beautiful contrast to what's just gone on up in ann arbor yeah yeah well exactly and that like i said that's that's kind of the point right like you show that um but i just i don't know it i want to see cohesion i want to see these teams uh you know i want to see ohio state uh keep those guys around for a while you know you want you want a venables or a you know another longtime coordinator that sticks around at ohio state i don't know how likely that is i don't know exactly what Knowles is. um uh, I don't know what his aspirations are long-term, but I got to feel that maybe he's, he's just really loves being a defensive coordinator. I, I think that's, you know, the money will be good at enticement to make sure that stays the case, but you know, we, that's part of managing it too. You know, you've, if your expectations are that you want to go out and win national championships, well, then you're going to pay a lot of money for really good coordinators. And you're also going to have to go in with the expectation that you may have to do that again and, and find the next guy and do that repeatedly because that's, that's what happens at Alabama and they win crap tons of national championships, right? Like that's, if that's what Ohio state fans might be worried about, like, Oh man, all that turnover. Well, you can successfully navigate that, but yeah. you got to be as good at it as a guy like, you know, 
Saban. And I think that requires the ability to be a little cutthroat, a little ruthless and, and just go out and find the right job, you know, guy for the job. And a good reminder that the benchmark here isn't Michigan. It isn't the big 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Alabama. It's Georgia. Right, exactly. That's what you're comparing yourself to. Yeah. Yeah. Transfer portal giveth transfer portal take it away. Ohio State by and large, I think it's done better on the inbound than it has on the outbound, be that as it may. Some players will choose to go elsewhere in this modern era of college football. Seven banks using his additional year of collegiate eligibility, but not in Columbus. We talked last week that uh, uh, banks would be moving on from Ohio State. He has opted to enter the transfer portal rather than to try his hand at the NFL draft. How big a loss is this for Ohio State? Is it is it one that anybody should be overly concerned about? Uh, or do you think there are enough guys there uh, in the cupboard that they'll be fine next year without a guy who has been uh, was highly touted coming in and, and been mm-hmm. well regarded? I think they'll be okay. I mean, there there is a lot of talent that I think maybe Ohio State fans just haven't quite seen yet or been able to see. Uh, top to bottom, I mean, really, like offense, defense, special teams, whatever. I, the team has a lot of talent, and I'm I'm not super worried about. It, I think overall, um, I don't know. I the other thing is I don't think either of us. I mean, we follow recruiting, we take a look at it, but it's not something that's kind of in our lifeblood mm-hmm. the way it is for some other people. And I think if if you are like super super locked into that world and and you know the ups and downs of all of that, I think maybe you're maybe a little more vulnerable to. Uh, not being freaked out per se, but maybe a little more anxious about the comings and goings of players and things like that. Yeah. That seems, uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good read. Uh, be curious to see where he goes, uh, and, and what he does. I enjoyed your piece, uh, of, about the legend of seven. Uh, yeah. I hope folks read that. If they didn't, I would encourage them to go do that fine piece of writing, as always, let's uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about shooty hoops, basketball. Ohio State didn't get to play Iowa. Iowa's plane broke down and then winter storm. Yeah, there's no reason for them to actually come. <laughs> they would have been stuck here. Winter storm, Bob, or whatever. We've we've done this thing now where we start naming these storms. I, mm-hmm. I don't like that. I think it's just a thing the Weather Channel has done uh, to better market the Weather Channel. Um, but I got stuck in Houston, Texas for an extra day. Worst places to be stuck. I was in a nice hotel and had nice food, but we didn't get to watch Iowa versus Ohio State, which is a game I was looking forward to. We did, however, over the weekend, get to see Ohio State versus Maryland. First game they played in the shot, it felt like in forever. And boy, did they bounce back uh, a couple key players in a big way. So how much fun was that Maryland game, watching them just take the Terps to the woodshed? It was pretty great. It was pretty great um that's that's one of those games especially you know you're in the doldrums a little bit certain players haven't done super hot i don't know man i i'm it was a very cathartic game i think that was probably the best way to put it it was a lot of fun seeing justin harns right like light it up for once and i know that dude has been struggling and and you know mentally kind of getting down on himself I'm, i'm glad that he had a really you know not a breakout game per se, because it was not like he you know scored 50 points or anything like that, but definitely one of those things to hope hopefully get him back on track. So I, it was, like I said, cathartic, I think is the best way to, to say uh, how that game felt. Well, and, and assistant coach Jake Diebler said ahead of the game that, you know, it's been hard to get into a rhythm as a team, you know, this kind of fits and starts 
that that they've been in five games canceled or postponed since December, you know, really hard to find. This is, this is a game that really relies on, on that rhythm and, you know, basketball can be a really streaky game anyway. So Mm -hmm. having that number of, you know, fits and starts, uh, especially this time of year too, when you're really trying to round into form heading toward the postseason. So to go out there and beat, uh, Maryland by, a huge score, 82 to 67, um, definitely was a good thing, you know, help wash off a close loss to Purdue, man, that one still gets me. They, they could have won. That game. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, they, man, they were right there. Uh, right there. yeah. And, and, you know, things I like number one, 10 and 0 at home. Love that Two, Ohio state hasn't lost two in a row all year long. That's nice. Um, you know, and that's definitely not a thing we would have said, you know, a year ago, two years ago. Um, so that, that, those are, those are all really encouraging things. Zed key, you know, coach Holtman challenged him a little bit and he bounced back in a big way, scored mm-hmm. points and, and was a key player, uh, six to seven for shooting and really great on the boards, seven rebounds, got to the free throw line four times, only two fouls, which, you know, for a big in 22 minutes that well, that and right for him, that's great good too. Yeah. I Cause mean... he can be. <laughs> Yeah, he can, he can, he can lay him down. Uh, yeah. So I, I love that from him. I thought he was really important in that game. Uh, the other guy who came off the bench, uh, Justin Arns, um, you know, he wasn't exactly channeling Steph Curry out there, but snapped out of his really extended shooting slump. 14 points, certainly nice. Knocked down uh, three pointers before he missed one. A 14 point performance that was his highest total scoring output since December 8th. That's a guy that has got to be on more than he's off if Ohio State's going to get very far. In the oh, journey, yeah. It feels like 100%. And that's, I mean, you can say that about a lot of guys, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree with I, that. I mean, I feel like him more so just because of the way Ohio State likes to run its offense. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not trying to, they're not trying to get to the promised land off Zed Key down low. You know, no, you, no, you know no. Zed having double digits. I mean, they need, it's, it's, it's not like you've got, you, they've just got to have arms. They rely on him. They like to play that perimeter game enough. And so when he's been, when they've struggled the most, and they've had these grinders, it's these games where he can't hit the ocean. Right. Right. Because, well, and then they can go ahead and double EJ Liddell inside and then yeah. take away, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the stuff is like inside out, right. Where you go in, yes. you got Zed and Kyle and, and, you know, EJ, and then you can shoot out to Malachi and hopefully Justin Arns and Meechie Johnson occasionally and, and so on. But yeah, it's, it's, if you take away that threat and, and a guy who can knock down a three and, and you don't have to worry about that so much, you can double dudes inside. And as good as EJ Liddell is, he can't really carry the entire team on his back all the time. So yeah, that's part of why calling out Zed is a big deal and making sure he gets more involved, particularly in the rebounding game, particularly in the offensive rebounding game. Um, because you really want a guy like that to, can not carry the offense, but continue the offense. You know what I mean? Like that's really what it is. Second chance points, getting more guys involved. A guy like Zed Key's really, really good at that. Um, he not he may not be handing out a ton of assists, but he's able to get more guys involved because he's able to open up the offense a lot. Um, and you know, same with like I said, Kyle Young and and you know other guy like EJ kind of speaks for himself. I mean, the guy is just doing everything. Um, but you, you hopefully want a supporting cast to not <laughs> require that of him. And let's talk about 
EJ Liddell. Uh, EJ Liddell named a finalist for the Carl Malone Power Forward of the Year Award. His his accolades, uh, you know, have uh, at least among Ohio State uh, cognizante have been very you know, very many, uh, he's 19.7 points leading the team in scoring seven and a half rebounds, 2.7 blocks on the season. Uh, those numbers are, are good for fourth, 11th and third best in the conference respectively. Th- this set of stats blew my mind. Um, analyst Jeff Goodman, uh, at stadium, who's been all over the media landscape over the years, uh, tweeted out on Monday that Liddell was the only player since 2008 to average 19 and a half per game, seven and a half rebounds, two and a half assists and two and a half blocks. It's good. You know, yeah, pretty good. Right. Seems pretty good. good. It's, it, it's, it's an impressive set of stats. And, and to me, I guess the question I want to pose to you is, is how underrated is, is he EJ Liddell in the national scheme of things? Like when I read that list, he's the only player in 14 years to average those numbers, you know, that that's like, player of the year kind of stats for me and he's not oh, getting sure, yeah. he's not getting that kind of love uh from the national media is is ohio state is not high profile enough in basketball to get him those looks uh are the other guys who are i mean i know there's some really good i mean you know, those couple of guys at purdue a couple of guys at illinois there's some really good guys out there don't get me wrong but I like well, EJ Liddell I, to me belongs in that conversation. I agree, but I, I think you just said it. I, I think the problem is, is that the Big Ten's loaded, and there's a number of guys who are getting more pub nationally because they're really, really, really great. You know, High State obviously has you know played against a couple of them here recently. Um, I think that's really what it is. I, I think it's it's not that he's not good. It's just that he's competing so much with other really excellent players in the same conference and he's mm-hmm. just kind of the odd man out when it comes to that which is unfortunate because as you just you know put out there i mean he's doing some really historically incredible things statistically but yeah i i just think it's a a function of you know kind of being on the outside in when it comes to the elite names that people know about in the big 10 mm-hmm Hopefully he will get a little bit more uh, love down the stretch here. Ohio State has some some great games ahead of it yet, and of course heading into the tournament. All right, it's time for Ask Us Anything, everyone's favorite part of the program, and our weekly reminder to you that the Dubcast is brought to you by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Hats, t-shirts, stickers, barware, everything for the discerning Buckeye fan or fan of fine things in general the finer things in life can be found at drygoods.11warriors.com what's in the mailbag this week my friend so uh we want to remind you before we get into that we just want to remind you that you can always send questions to the dubcast to dubcast d-u-b-c-a-s-t at 11warriors.com uh only one question this week which is understandable it's it's been kind of a i understand people got other things in their mind we're doing all kinds of stuff with valentine's day coming up and surviving the crazy winter storm but you know like i said we we love answering them so go ahead and send those in and this is from our good friend alvin who wants to know speaking of being snowed in uh if you know you're going to be snowed in at home what is the one food item that you have to grab at the grocery store to survive which by the way did you did you try to when you know you knew this was all going down and they were predicting up to like a foot of snow obviously that didn't play out but still a ton of ice and ton of snow here in central Ohio. Uh, 
did you make the grocery store run andy did you say to well so i i was i was in texas for work oh that's I, I right you're in texas that's right yeah that's right. i swear i've done more but did travel. your family did you prepare were you you no, know no i i don't think the girls ran out and and stocked up on anything in anticipation we generally are not panic buyers now i will say it's a little bit different when i was growing up on the farm uh back home and we were you know several miles out of town um I really still don't remember going in like probably like bread and milk, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but we generally always had a side of beef in the freezer or half a hog mm -hmm. or something along those lines. So there was always meat. Uh, there were always, and of course we always canned things out of the garden. So there were always jars of green beans. There was, you know, frozen sweet corn. There was tomato juice, you know, all canned for, for the winter anyway. So there was never a time that we were going to be like, oh my God, we're out of food. There was always, there was always food. There was always preserved food, either frozen meat or, or frozen corn and, and, uh, you know, canned, uh, green beans and, and tomato juice at a, at a minimum, uh, here, you know, we're, we're within walking distance of a grocery store or a convenience store, you know, three or four sandwich shops. So I, I, I guess maybe we don't feel the same urgency that oh my god the white death is coming we will never be able to I drive a four-wheel drive truck you know so we can the, the likelihood that we can't get to the marketplace you know seems fairly remote right um that said we've always got you know we've always got non-perishables in the house so dad still sends us with green beans and tomatoes out of the garden you know in in jars and and that'll get us through all the winter you know in terms of that regardless of getting snowed in or not so the one the one thing that if i were going to go and stock up you know it's probably something stupid like ramen noodles uh, <laughs> just because it's you know always you get a, a useful buy well it, it. It, it, we always i mean you know we don't live like poor college kids you know we both work hard um we've, we've done okay well, for I work. ourselves yeah no, no no well i mean i'm <laughs> sorry i meant i meant the stunning mrs vance and i oh yeah yeah, yeah. since since she's my roommate not you yeah well um, you know one but, day you know like so we have we have nice food in the house but even for all the nice food that we have here we literally always have ramen noodles like after you and i finish <laughs> recording this episode i'm probably going to go make a bowl of ramen noodles because it's winter and it's crappy and i want like a hot you know I'll, I'll either have most nights i'll have a mug of of hot tea before bed um but some nights i just want a bowl of ramen noodle soup yeah well no i mean ramen's sick and by the way some really good delicious places in columbus to get some some ramen i'll tell you that straight up like there's some excellent places if, if you ever get tired of just the good old you know, grocery store 59 cent cup. Camp. <laughs> well, we if buy, you're tired of that, I'm just saying a lot this of good is how serious it is. It's not the styrofoam cup we buy, like the the uh 24 pack, <laughs> sure, of the little For like five know. bucks, yeah. Oh, yeah, if that. And uh, uh, generally we'll have beef and chicken flavor. I, I tend mm -hmm. to gravitate toward the beef. Um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna have that after we record now. I'm gonna have ramen noodles, <laughs> I'm gonna have ramen noodles, uh, I'm gonna have ramen noodles and probably like bourbon. Um, okay. while we watch an episode of the West wing. So that's, that's living the good life right there, my friend. You know what? So when we, when we do this, uh, I'm pretty confident in our ability to weather any kind of, so, sun, it, do, so do you go out and, and grab bread and milk and eggs? I mean, you're, you're, <sighs> you're a dad now, so you gotta be, you know, yeah. I mean, I make sure we've got enough to last us for a little bit if we need it, but you know, I don't go super, I'm not buying like four loaves of bread or anything, you know, crazy like that. If we need a loaf of bread, 
I'll get a loaf of bread. If we need some more milk, I'll get some more milk. Basically just do pre-shopping. You know what I mean? If we were, if we were yeah. supposed to go grocery shopping in the next like four or five days, I'll maybe, go out maybe and go ahead and go. Yeah. I'll preempt it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't get too crazy, but I definitely, what I'll do is even though I don't go super overboard, I'll buy just stupid random impulse buys Ooh, like, yeah. well, mm-hmm. you never know. And so like, I'll get a can of beans like like a can of baked beans i'm like i really like baked beans what if we're in a situation where the only thing we have left we gotta have a can of baked beans like, i don't like beans yeah yeah or like i don't know if there's a box of chips that i've never actually eaten before but i've always thought about and we're curious about how they taste I'm like well you know if we're in a starvation situation i'm gonna be interested about what those chips tasted like so i might as well get some like it's just it's stuff like that where i just look at something where i think Oh, good opportunity when we're we're huddled in the dark, you know, starving without power. Maybe I want to try something I haven't. I don't want, you know what I mean? Like maybe that'll be a good time to, you know, try some new uh, cuisine. So you, I just, you know, I like I got a baguette. I there's got a something baguette. to that uh, because I had I don't know. Sometimes you ever just you ever have a nostalgic pull for some oh, crap sure, food yeah. like that. So when I was a kid. It's probably the reason I'm built the way I am now, but there were three things that were in the cupboard at all times. Uh, one Pepsi Cola dad was a Pepsi junkie. Mm-hmm. So there was always Pepsi Cola in the refrigerator cold at all times. And if you took woe be to the man who took the last Pepsi Cola out of the refrigerator without restocking, uh, that was practically called for capital punishment. Um, right. Two, there were always Mike sells potato chips and huh. again if you're having sitting down after a hard day's work and you're gonna you know watch some television and how dare, you, how dare you abandon the fine brand of grippos for southwestern ohio that you are a traitor is, sir. is it how, mike sells is, is it mike sells a local company too i don't know maybe they, mike sells are actually better than grippos so I, they're <laughs> tremendous they're much much better yeah they're it's a dayton company grippos are kind of gross mike, mike sells from uh dayton Oh, are they okay? Good. Yeah, then that's yeah it's a company, I will. I right? will accept that, and they're good. Yeah, so yeah, that's fine. they're they're fantastic. Yeah, I love Mike Sells potato chips. So so that was uh, the second thing, and the third thing was always some form of Little Debbie snack cake. Oh, nice. Always, 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 always. And so it it had probably been twenty years since I'd had a Little Debbie snack cake, and for whatever reason, during the holidays, I walked past an end cap at the grocery. And there was the display of Little Debbie snack cakes where they had the Christmas tree cakes. Oh, they're, yeah. They're just like out. every other Little Debbie snack cake, but they're shaped like Christmas trees. So they're better. So I thought, I wonder if I still like these, having not had them in 20 years. So yeah. I picked up a box and, damn, if they don't taste just like I remember them. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, so then now we're at Valentine's. So now it's the the heart-shaped cakes <laughs> it's the same cake it is the <laughs> exact same cake it's just pink fondant icing or whatever right. icing it is uh and it's heart-shaped instead of tree-shaped but that was my so when you're talking about going and buying some random impulse thing at when in your panic buying like that was that was me with the little debbie snack cake. yeah well it that's what i'm saying impending... Snowmageddon, but i saw it i'm like yeah i gotta have that <laughs> right i mean sometimes you just you gotta do it i get it i mean there's i there are weird random things i like to have and i just like any excuse that will you know allow me to pick them up so you know an impending giant snowstorm where we might be stuck in the house for two or three days i drink diet tonic water i know a lot of people use it as a mixer for you know like 
drinks and bourbon and stuff i just drink it straight because i think it tastes good i don't know why i think it tastes good it's clearly <laughs> disgusting but i just drink it anyway and i i like having the opportunity to do that so there you go nice good stuff yep thank you and again thank you to alvin for sending those in and, and for all of you for sending in all the ask us anything questions that we get to answer all right let's wrap this thing up you know it, it it is a weird time to be alive number one but yeah number two to be following the sport of college football as i was surfing one of my favorite websites covering the the college uh, athletics landscape uh this website i don't know if you've heard of it it's called 11 warriors.com never heard of it don't read it highly recommend it um they have some decent writers there one or two uh and i was looking at the buckshots on the side of the page and these two headlines side by side just just grabbed me. Uh, Jimbo, referring in this case to Jimbo Fisher, head coach at Texas A&M University, mad mm. at sliced bread on Bro Bible. The uh, the full headline being that head coach Jim Fisher's flamed an anonymous poster on the message board Bro Bible. The poster's name was Sliced Bread, and basically Jimbo's flaming this dude online for talking about uh a m's obvious prowess of using the bag man uh having <laughs> an obscene number seven five-star prospects and total of 18 players ranked inside the top 120 of the 247 composite ratings the other headline that got me was tito's vodka <laughs> gifting 20 million dollars to texas the longhorns raking in a 20 million dollar donation from tito's vodka is is this the strangest timeline ever in yeah. college football? Like these are headlines that you would not have imagined head, head, head football coaches, picking fights with message board posters and alcohol brands, stroking seven figure, eight figure checks to university athletic programs, things that were not happening even two or three years ago right. in the sport has, has the combination of the transfer portal and NIL and COVID just broken <laughs> the oh yeah we're all crazy this it's, wacky a, it's, sport. Yeah, th it's ridiculous from here on out and anybody hoping for some kind of return to like the 90s where you know oh shucks buddy i'm just glad to be here i hope i get to make 20 dollars when i do my internship over the summer but not too much because if i report at the ncaa they'll be an impermissible benefit like nobody cares about that anymore it's over things have gone completely bonkers and insane and it's not going back and um I don't know if it's as funny as Jimbo Fisher getting really mad at a poster on bro Bible and uh, Tito's giving a public institution like Texas $20 million. I'm okay with that. That's actually the level of chaos and insanity that I absolutely signed on for. So, you know, as long as it doesn't veer into super depressing, um, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think that's, but, and yes, that is the new normal. That's not going to stop. Yeah, uh, I've seen discussions about, you know, because th the thing that's really interesting vis-a-vis -vis the Tito's donation and NIL rules is that players cannot sign NIL deals with alcohol brands. Right. The university is, of course, more than welcome to take an eight-figure check from an alcohol oh, brand. There's also been the discussion of whether or not, you know, how soon is it before you see, uh, you know, gambling deals with whether it be a conference or a university, again, something a student athlete probably couldn't, uh, I'm pretty sure. sure can't sign a deal with, you know, FanDuel or something along those lines, um, or Bovada or something, but, but how soon before it's just, it's so weird right now. Uh, I love this sport. It's my favorite sport, but 
it's a it's a really strange time. So these headlines just kind of made me chuckle a little bit. And I guess we should embrace the absurdity that is our favorite sport these days. It's always been a little wacky. It's just wacky rolling with the times, I guess. Yeah. Well, and like I said, if angrier Jimbo Fisher gets the happier I am. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Right. All right, friends, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I, I encourage you highly to go read the piece I mentioned Johnny wrote about seven banks saying peace out homies. Uh, a lot of great coverage on the site this week. The beat team doing fantastic work as always covering the new uh, coordinators uh, coming into the program, the new uh, assistant coaches coming into the program. They're all saying and doing the right things and the coverage will continue as we barrel on now toward the spring game coming April 26th, if recollection serves uh, date set this week. So um, until next week, when we will talk more about all the news that's fit to have takes about, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.